Hey everyone, welcome back to Nature's Finest. Today we have a special episode for you, very special. Something that we're going to do every so often just to shake things up a little bit. This is a special episode, part of a special segment we'll have going forward on an irregular basis called On the Road with Nature's Finest. And if you remember, way back, way back, way back four episodes ago, when I gave you a breakdown of how these episodes are going to go and how the series is going to go and what I'm going to cover, you might remember I said we might get out of my comfort zone, my home region, if you will, and explore areas hundreds if not thousands of miles away from where I live and the area that I'm covering, which of course is Kentucky and neighboring states. And On the Road with Nature's Finest is going to be the segment that covers those special places I see that don't happen to fit that description, that don't happen to be in that area. And today we're going to kick things off with Niagara Falls. Well, that's not fair. Not just Niagara Falls, but the whole area. I did trails while I was there that were across three or four different state parks, and that wasn't even all the state parks in the area. There's so much to do. There's so much to see that in this segment, I just have to tell you about it. So we're going to try and follow the usual formula. I'll give you an overview of the area, but mostly what I'm going to do is just break down what I did because this time we're not covering just one state park or national park. We're covering an entire area where there are a lot of things to do scattered across a considerable amount of land area. So I'm going to give a brief overview of each park, what it's about, and give you a general sense of the area, things to do, things that I did, and overall just kind of give you a sense of why you should go to the falls and why it's worth this series taking us outside of Kentucky and neighboring states, and I promise you it is worth it because I drove six and a half hours to get there. And that was the halfway point in my journey to another location that we'll cover in another On the Road episode. So without any further ado, let's get started. So while I was there, I stayed in Buffalo personally, but there are places to stay in the cities of Niagara Falls, New York, and Niagara Falls, Canada. And if you want good waterfall views, you'll probably stay on the Canadian side. I'm not exactly sure. Matter of fact, I'm almost 90% sure that you can't get a waterfall view on the U.S. side. But if you have, I know the state of Kentucky has these licenses that let you get on airplanes and go to Canada or something like that. But if you have that or if you have a passport, then you can get in pretty easily. It's not that difficult. I personally did not. I stayed in the U.S. I did not have a passport. I did not have a special driver's license. But I stayed in Buffalo, a really nice hotel. They are very generous to veterans. Shout out to the Mosey Buffalo in Buffalo, New York, for being very, very generous with my dad, who did serve for a little bit, and gave him Gosh, I want to say it was almost half off the room, and it's a four, four-and-a-half-star hotel. Great restaurant, great atmosphere, very comfortable, very noise-proof, and not a ton of traffic that we saw on that side of the city. This is Williamsville, which is, I believe, a suburb 
of Buffalo or a town just outside of Buffalo, but still within the business loop. Anyways, uh, we stayed about 40 minutes, if you don't take the interstate, I think it is, away from the falls. But the falls aren't the only thing that's there. So my impression of it was you go snap a picture of the waterfall and you're done. But there's actually a lot of recreation to do while you're in the park, which I found to be pretty cool. So Goat Island, I believe from my perception anyways, that it's kind of the hub, the center of the park. I thought Goat Island was pretty freaking cool because you have these wooded areas you have some beautiful angles to get really good pictures of Niagara Falls. And, of course, there's a restaurant on Goat Island. I believe it's got a view of the falls somehow because it sits way up on top of Goat Island. There's plenty of gift shops, concessions, pretty much everything you can imagine. But there's also a path that goes around the perimeter of the island. And it takes you fr everywhere from the most touristy part of the park all the way around to some really quiet wooded areas, some really great areas to get pictures of the lake, get pictures of other smaller falls that are in the area, and just all around kind of get some relaxation that you wouldn't think you could get in a park that gets this many visitors. Because I don't know about people who are from thousands of miles away from New York, but where I'm from and as you get closer to the falls, it gets a lot more of a popular destination for people. And so you wouldn't think there's peaceful places to go, but there's plenty. Of course, this path is paved, so I believe you can bike it. We walked it. It was super easy, super flat. You go by some really cool landmarks like Three Sisters Islands. It's three islands that are connected by bridges from Goat Island. And you go out there, and the further out you go the more surrounded by water you are. You get a decent view of some of the towers on the Canadian side because Canadian Niagara Falls has some high-rise hotels that give you really excellent views of the waterfalls from what I've heard. But you're out there on these islands, and the paths on these islands are also paved, by the way. And you do kind of get the feeling that you're out in nature, at least until you look at the towers, of course, but... We don't talk about that. And there are some trails within the park. Some of them are dirt trails that connect you to different parts of Goat Island, take you in from the perimeter loop, things like that. They're nice. I did one of them. There's plenty of picnic areas everywhere. You can grill out. You can relax. Once you get to kind of, I guess, the back of the island, uh, kind of across from where the overlook to the main falls are, it does really kind of thin out population-wise. You've got picnic areas that you could have all to yourself. And I'm not saying this would be the case on like a holiday weekend, but it was the case when I was there. And it's just a really cool place to be. There's a trail that goes along the coast of the river. And I believe it can actually connect you to the next park north, which is interesting. Niagara River, by the way, is what that river would be. And I think that trail comes out to seven or eight miles if I'm not mistaken. I did not do that one. But there is actual hiking there. Uh, decent half-day hikes, even, as you can tell. Seven, eight miles, that's, that's not nothing. And the other parks in the area, including Whirlpool, Devil's Hole, and DeVoe Woods, all have 
hiking, walking, some other kind of recreation, you'll never run out of things to do. And that's what's so great about this area. There is no shortage of recreation. I want to start by talking about Niagara Falls, though, because that park offers so many different things to do. It is absolutely insane. So the park itself comes in at just over 400 acres, 140 of which is water. Land-wise, you've got a ton of coastal real estate along the city of Niagara Falls, plus some islands including Goat Island, Three Sisters Islands, and those islands are where I spent a majority of my time, and that's where a majority of your stuff to do is. This is where I think a lot of other visitors are likely to spend most of their time, too. As I mentioned, there are hiking trails, and there's that one that's got some pretty good length to it. It goes along the Niagara River. But there's also the paved paths that I talked about on Goat Island and covering Three Sisters Islands as well. Recreation is pretty much all around you, almost to a point that you might not know where to look or go first. But I'll start with the basic recreation amenities, the obvious stuff to do, and I'll get more intricate and get more into what I did while I was there. Like I said, from what I could tell, Goat Island was pretty much the center of the action. That's at least how it felt to me anyways. That's on the American side. That's pretty much where I stayed. I didn't go into Canada. This is where you'll find uh, a surplus of parking, so don't worry about it being too busy. There's also going to be a gift shop, concessions, a restaurant, trails, paved paths, picnic areas, and an abundance of restrooms. Interpretive signs alluding to the park's long and rich history, which dates back to the 1800s. Multiple highly endangered plant species, and of course, the coveted Horseshoe Falls Overlook. If a postcard picture of the falls was ever taken from the American side, it would likely be from the Horseshoe Falls Overlook, which is perched right at the edge of the cliff out under the top of the falls restaurant. From there, you can not only take a picture, but feel the mist from the aggressive rushing falls. Now, that was a really cool experience. That little area where the overlook is, is easily about 10 to 15 degrees cooler than the rest of the park, which made me almost chilly on an 80 degree day. Being from the southern states, that's almost unimaginable. There are more complex adventure-type activities for the adrenaline junkie as well, including the popular Cave of the Winds experience and a boat ride called Made of the Mist that takes you out for an up-close and personal encounter with the waterfalls. Cave of the Winds takes you down to the base of the waterfall for a wet but up-close encounter with Horseshoe Falls that gives you a different perspective from Made of the Mist. Cave of the Winds will be your land experience as there's a little rock or surface that you can step out on whereas made of the mist takes you out on a boat to experience the falls 
For the adventurer, there are a few trails, as I mentioned, scattered across the park, including a paved path that takes you around the perimeter of Goat Island. The other is a longer hiking and biking trail that starts in Niagara Falls State Park and goes north along the Niagara River Gorge. Of course, I mentioned there were a few other parks in the area, and I will mention more on those in a bit. Now here's a little bit of what's around Niagara Falls State Park. Now I've taken you to some pretty remote places, like the Cumberland Gap area, where there's not a whole lot other than the few things that are in whatever town you're staying in. But Niagara Falls State Park is near a major metropolitan area, that being Buffalo, of course. And the park itself is within the city limits of the city of Niagara Falls, which is also by no means small. There's a bit of food and shopping there, more than enough if you're staying in the town of Niagara Falls. But there is a ton to do in Buffalo, of course, being a major city. And for those of you who may not know, and I'm probably in the minority that didn't know, Buffalo is home of the original Buffalo Wings. I didn't think there was a correlation between the two, I'll be honest. But they are excellent, and I can tell that they are different from what they have in my neck of the woods. There's also parks just about everywhere, municipal parks that are great, disc golf courses everywhere, walking paths, great neighborhoods to take a walk in, plenty of shopping centers, restaurants, theaters, museums, your basic metropolitan area. I made my temporary home in the neighborhood of Williamsville, which is located pretty much right where Interstates 90 and 290 meet up the interchange there. And there's a Hilton Hotel there I mentioned, the Mosey Buffalo Williamsville, that offers a very unique, classy, uh, just overall wonderful lodging and dining experience, very upscale. And I'll be honest with you, they do not know I exist. My name wasn't even on the reservation. I am not receiving anything for this, but I do have to shout them out because... That was a wonderful experience, and they treated my dad, who is a veteran of the United States, like an absolute king, including the deal they gave him on the room. So look him up, especially if you served, because they will take care of you, and the food is outstanding. And if somebody who works there happens to hear it, great, there's my review. That hotel also had us situated near plenty of the restaurants and shops I mentioned, and we were about 20 minutes from a really nice suburban park that had a trail or two and 18 holes of disc golf. We also had great proximity to Duff's, which is one restaurant considered to be home of the original Buffalo Wing. There's another, but I do not remember the name. There's plenty to do and almost too much to cover, especially if you're only staying there for two or three nights, and even further, especially if your focus is going to be on the park, which is what I recommend because the park is so wonderful, not to mention its neighbor parks just to the north. But this is a great place to go if you're looking for a great balance of city life and a little bit of hiking, because both are offered to you in spades. And, of course, the fact that you're staying in a metropolitan area means that 
Lodging is something there's no shortage of. As a matter of fact, there's almost too much to know where to go. There's multiple hotel towers on the Canadian side, so if you don't care to cross the border, there's uh, everything from Hampton to JW Marriott. But in Buffalo and Niagara Falls, there are, I would say, north of 100 hotels, and I'd say that's even being conservative. So you'll never, or I should say almost never, encounter a situation where you simply can't get a room within 45 minutes of the park. So there's also a bunch of camping. Uh, That especially becomes evident once you get north of Tonawanda or so and things start to mellow out, not be so city-like. But as much as I love camping, I was really appreciative of the fact that we stayed in a hotel and got to experience Buffalo and Niagara Falls at the same time. Now this, of course, is because I usually do go out of my way to avoid the city, number one, and number two, I had never been to Buffalo before. Matter of fact, I had never been north of Columbus. So... I had a really fun time checking out the town, or at least the parts of town that I had time to check out around hikes and various other activities, and I think you would believe the same. And of course, if I returned, and I do intend to return multiple times, I would also give a try the uh, camping, maybe RVing, I believe there's an RV rental up there somewhere, and try to get the experience from all angles, all perspectives. Now, getting to the area is pretty cut and dry. As I recall, there's only one interstate that passes through Buffalo. There are a few that wrap around Buffalo business loops and the like. But the only interstate I'm aware of that passes through there is the New York Thruway, a.k.a. Interstate 90. This is a very well-constructed, well-laid-out interstate with nice long entrance ramps, on ramps, off ramps, great pavement, and get this, rest stops with restaurants and gas and convenience stores built into them. Now, of course, you might be wondering how is this possible, and it is made possible by the frequent payment of tolls by the people who use the highway. Of course, this is also made simpler. You don't stop and pull a ticket or insert a quarter or whatever you did 10, 15, 20 years ago. You simply drive under cameras that take a picture of your license plate, run it, and mail you a ticket for how much you paid, how much you owe them for using the highway. They mail it to you about 30 days later, and that's it. Just whatever the address is on file for your license plate, they'll mail it there, and you just send them a check or pay online. It couldn't be easier. We found this to be particularly interesting because in my dad's line of work, he had been to places like Chicago and northern Indiana where there are tollways that require you to stop. And of course, interstates are built on the premise of movement, right? Getting to your destination as fast as possible. So we were pleasantly surprised by this, and it was surprisingly easy to use, of course. You just drive through at exactly 65 miles an hour. It gets a picture of your plate, and that's that. And like clockwork, about 30 days after we had used the tollway last, we got a receipt for, I believe, $20. We spent a ton of time on the highway. We entered and exited it multiple times. So it wasn't bad, all told. And the trade-off is when you need a rest stop, 
you'll find everything from unleaded and diesel to a convenience store that's got all kinds of snacks, chips, bottled drinks. Usually you'll also find a bakery of some sort like a Tim Hortons or a Dunkin', and also a fast food joint like an Arby's or a McDonald's. They were redoing, I believe, somewhere around two-thirds of the rest stops, and therefore only about a third of them were open. The staff and the facilities themselves were a little stressed out, and I'm sure if they'd all been open, our experience would have been slightly better, but all told, they still weren't bad. The bathrooms were still very clean, and under normal conditions, I would say that is probably one of the shining lights of that particular highway system and it's definitely something we don't have down south usually you see a rest stop and it's like a bathroom building and a few parking spaces so that might make your trip a little bit more convenient you don't got to leave the highway if somebody gets hungry or needs a bathroom there is also an old u.s route or state route that parallels 90 and sticks a bit closer to lake erie and of course, not being from the area, I'm blanking on what route that is, but I'm sure it was the predecessor to Interstate 90. I did not have the opportunity to drive on that particular road. We were trying to get there. It was getting late. But I have been told that that road actually does, at times, afford you views of the lake, which I would think would be very cool. I've never seen the Great Lakes before. So... That is something I intend to do in the future. Of course, on this show, I'm known for boasting about the, you know, taking the back roads and always trying to take the most scenic route possible. But I got to say, for someone who doesn't love the interstate, I-90 did provide a very pleasant experience. So kudos to uh, the New York Department of Transportation. And so that brings me to the other three state parks that are just north of Niagara Falls. And these parks are a little bit simpler. They're not quite as built up, no restaurant, no gift shop, nothing like that. These are purely for recreation purposes. They're rooted in a little bit of history as well. But mostly if you're going there, you're going there to hike one of the trails and it seemed to me that these spots were mostly used by locals. But that doesn't mean they're not worth the stop, especially because they're only, I think, the closest one's 15 minutes north of Niagara Falls. The furthest one away is like 30 minutes north of Niagara Falls. And they're all in a line right there on the Niagara Scenic Highway. So not a bad deal. It's a 45-mile-an-hour road. Pretty nice. But I spent time in Devil's Hole State Park, Whirlpool State Park, and DeVoe Woods. Of course, DeVoe Woods, I'll be honest with you, we just found a picnic table and sat down for a minute and took it all in. We didn't really do anything there. But Devil's Hole, we hiked down to the Devil's Hole, which is, of course, the namesake of the park, but it's also a, a little cave down on the... Niagara River kind of along the shoreline, the coastline there. So that was pretty cool. That was uh, about a two, two and a half mile round trip. Ton of stairs. Lots of stairs. You start at the top and you go all the way down to the river. And I believe you descend, I would say, at least a couple hundred feet. But it's all steps. 
and you got to come back up them steps to get to the car. So definitely do your stretches before that one, but it's very well worth it. The Devil's Hole is pretty cool. I was tuckered by the time I got there, but then again, I wasn't feeling all too good. I think I had a cold or something like that. Now at Whirlpool State Park, I also ended up hiking a small part of the Devil's Hole Trail. Whirlpool's an interesting park, though, because it offers you two different views of the Niagara River. One is from right by the river, and the other is from up at the same level as the street. So, if you want to be right beside it, that's one way to do it. If you want to have a nice grand view from afar, that is also possible. Whirlpool has a a bit of hiking. There's also opportunities to fish, etc., etc. We did about a mile and a half of hiking at that park. I believe if we'd continued down the trail the direction we were going, we would have actually gotten to Devil's Hole. They're not all that far from each other, and it's all linked by the same trail. I learned after hiking that section of that trail that we could hike all the way to the staircase at Devil's Hole. So if you're looking for something longer, something slightly more strenuous, that might be a way to go. The whole Niagara River Valley region is a really cool place to check out, especially if you've never been. Buffalo isn't quite like any city I've been to. I'm not much of a city person, but I didn't mind Buffalo at all. But you've got a bunch of little state parks along the Niagara River Valley that really do a great job of capturing the essence of the area. Of course, Niagara Falls is going to be your main attraction with uh, however many viewpoints you can get of, of the different waterfalls throughout the park. The Horseshoe Falls are definitely my favorite, followed by the views you can get off of Three Sisters Islands. But there's so much to do there, it's wild, especially when you factor in what's right up the trail or right up the road from Niagara, because trail and road... Uh, are two different ways that would both get you to the other state parks. I believe there's a trail that follows a pretty good way of the, the Niagara River on the U.S. side. I'm not sure off the top of my head if it would get you all the way from Niagara Falls State Park to Whirlpool, Devil's Hole, all that, but I know there's a good amount of mileage along the Niagara River Valley from Niagara Falls State Park and I know that there's a good amount of hiking along the Niagara River Valley once you get to Devil's Hole and Whirlpool. I would say all told, and this is just the state parks that I visited on a vacation where this was simply a stop along the way, I would say you could easily total up even just the mileage from the state parks and clear 15 or 20. There's a lot to do, and of course, like I said, that's only the state parks. I know there's preserves and things not too far from there. So I would definitely recommend stopping here if you are on your way somewhere else or simply booking a vacation there if you're looking for somewhere new to go. It's not completely rural and desolate like I usually like, but you can make it your own trip. And by that, I mean, if you want to balance the city with 
the hiking and the nature and the peace. You can certainly do that. But if you want to be away from the city, that can also be arranged as well. There are plenty of t campgrounds. There are plenty of smaller towns nearby where you can get a hotel. So it's a really cool customizable experience that other places may not offer you. Of course, I just did a three-part segment on three parks that are really awesome down in the Cumberland Mountains right around Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, Tri-State area. Of course, those are Pine Mountain, Cumberland Gap, and Wilderness Road, and those are all pretty good-sized parks. Of course, the smallest one even is still in excess of 400 acres, and the park with the least amount of hiking out of the three still has north of 10 miles. But, of course, while Middlesbrough is a decent-sized town and so is Harrogate, you really are kind of out there and you don't have that connection to a metropolitan setting that some people might like, especially if you're the kind of person that likes to go to the museum, get a nice meal at Jeff Ruby's or some fancy place like that. Like I said earlier, I did live it up when we went to Buffalo. We stayed in a very nice hotel close to downtown. While we didn't go downtown, we took advantage of a lot of the stuff the area just outside of downtown offered including things like the county park system, the different food in the area. We got to try the original buffalo wing. That was very fun. So it's really up to you. So what I'll say to you as I close this out is not to let the infinite options that you'd have going to a place like this intimidate you, especially if you are like me and you prefer things more peaceful. I thrive in places that have low to no population because, of course, that's where you're going to have the least noise, the least infrastructure interrupting your scenic views, and generally when you're driving, you'll have the road to yourself. But since you have the flexibility to make this a, a trip where you're headquartered in the city or outside of the city in a more rural setting, camping or doing whatever, go give it a shot. Because it just for the waterfall situation at Niagara alone, it's more than worth it. So next time... We're going to be back to our normal episode format where I, of course, give you more of a breakdown of the park as opposed to a half hour on my experience in an area or a park. So back to normal next week. And our first episode, Back to the Old Grind, is going to take us to a beautiful, fun-sized little park just outside of Carlisle, Kentucky. Blue Licks Battlefield State Resort Park is way more than just another state park in the middle of nowhere. And that's what it might seem like on paper. It's a small little place. It might be three, four, five hundred acres. And that might leave some of you wondering, how do we fill a weekend here? Well, it's quite easy, actually. While this park is smaller than any other park I've discussed so far on this podcast... And, of course, that's not much of a statement. That'll be the fifth episode. But maybe the sixth episode. Anyways, 
this park has history to offer. It has family fun to offer. It's got lodging on site, campground on site, and it still has six, seven miles of hiking. So we're going to take a look at Blue Licks Battlefield next week. We're going to take a look at everything from the extremely rare and highly endangered plant species that they house right there on park property. We're going to talk about the history of the park, as in the fact that this park was the home of the last battle fought in the Revolutionary War. And you're going to hear the name Daniel Boone again. I've talked about the guy quite a few times on this podcast, and he has history right there in that park as well. Of course, this isn't an avid backpacker's destination, as some of my previous destinations have been. This one will be more like Brown County, which was episode one, where it's kind of a mix of fun for the family. There will be opportunities to do activities with, your, with the kids. There will be hiking, of course, and there will be boating and fishing and everything else, but it's a lot more of a balanced place to go and spend a week or a weekend. And there's plenty to do to keep you busy for either getaway structure, a week or a weekend. So join me next time right here on Nature's Finest for a breakdown of this beautiful historical resort park. Until then, stay safe and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.